Hey there, friend. This is Brittany Dixon with Courageous Radiance Podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here. I have a question for my marrieds. Is your marriage what you thought it was going to be when you got married? When you made those expensive wedding day plans, when you walked down that aisle, is your husband who you thought he was going to be? Is your marriage putting out what you thought it was going to do? Man, whether good or bad, what is your overall experience? What have you grown and gleaned from your marriage? The 41-year-old Brittany today would encourage the 26-year-old Brittany that got married to buckle the seatbelt and get ready. Get ready for those detours. Hold my coffee in such a way that I can withstand the bumps and not spill coffee, hot coffee all over myself. I would encourage her to look beyond what is and get ready to grow and stretch. Let's talk today with my husband about biblical marriage in a way that honors and glorifies God. Thanks for joining Hey there, and welcome to Courageous Radiance Podcast. I'm so grateful that you're here this week. This is the first time recording with my husband in quite some time. And then this is the first time recording with video in a long time for even myself. So wanted to just kind of switch it up and jump on the video with my husband because we're talking about biblical identity, what and who we are in Christ. The first week we talked about Um, who we are as a population, as a human being, man, woman. Uh, Last week, the second week, we talked about biblical womanhood. And this week, we're going to talk about biblical marriage. And so in in both roles um, as a man and as a woman. Now, if you're not married, still this still applies because you're still a woman. You still um, have a reverend. <laughs> <Sorry>. Can't. <laughs> this is like my everyday. He's making faces. I don't know if you're listening or if you're watching this, but if you are listening, my husband is making faces. And side note, he actually was voted class clown um, in high school. As well as most likely to succeed. <laughs> but class clown too, nonetheless. So you have to know him. But um, so, yeah, so I'm really excited about this identity piece. One of the pieces that I talked about before was that I have, for the majority of my life, been on this conquest of trying to figure out who I am. What has God left me to do? And what is the purpose of just overall my job, being a wife, being a mother, just being Brittany, like, who am I? It's been something that has been in my forefront forever. So this is something very near and dear to me because I have changed up my hairstyle. I have, um, you know, identified myself based on my career and that has fluxed over and over um, in the time of being a nurse and what type of nurse I want to be. It has been even in terms of what's my favorite color as as a kid. So identity to you three, just in general, um, if somebody was to say, what is that? And when I say 3D, this is my husband's nickname. So it throws people off. But what is identity in Christ to you? What does that mean? Um, Well, I mean, like you said, that's changed. My perspective has changed over, over the years. When I originally got saved, I thought my identity in Christ is just being loved by him and knowing who I am. And that still is the same. But now as you get into manhood and you get into fatherhood, 
that changes as well. And so um, I think lately my focus has been the biblical um, uh, definition of manhood, which I have some notes here, um, humility before God, controlling my appetites, and that can be in so many different ways, literal appetite as well as uh, appetites for other things, protecting my family, providing for my family, and leading my family. So um, those are what the Bible describes as um, what it looks like to be a biblical man. Mm. So, and in terms, and so we talked about this last week and the, even the week before, is that if you go back to Genesis, and in this case, um, it's Genesis 1, not going to read it today, but Genesis 1, uh, verses 26 and 27. But God talks about that we are made in the image of, of him. And that really changed my trajectory, I think, in terms of what I thought about myself. And this was about really, I think, at my discipleship table, so maybe 12 years ago, being known as an image bearer. I don't think I actually even heard that. I don't think I heard that in church. It's not preached a lot, uh, you know, because again, growing up in the churches that we grew up in, it it wasn't really self-reflection of who you are in God, what your responsibility is as a man, as a woman. Mm -hmm. It's you know, I hate to say it, but it's grab your blessing or what can God do for you or God in a vending machine. Um, Yes, there's truths that are told and taught, but that's not the focus for a lot of the churches that we grew up in. And so, um, so it's more like what God can do. Yeah. Just, just who God is to you instead of just the reverence and love Mm -hmm. for God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so just once you really understand that, and then like you said, being an image bearer, of what he represents again as i talked about is as far as biblical manhood like he's my father so now earthly i have to be a father to my kids he's my provider so earthly as a father and as a husband i have to provide for you guys he's Mm -hmm. my protector so again all those things that i see as what god is to me Mm -hmm. i have to play that role into you as my spouse and to my kids and to all those who i interact with that i have you know i I want to reflect that image of what god is to others Mm -hmm. that's good because in marriage i thought i came into marriage like this is what marriage is going to do for me. This is what you're going to do for me. And then when that went sour or some other stuff came up or somehow you, and even stuff that you thought you were doing good, but it was like, that's not what I really wanted. Um, I think starting with that piece of it, the goal is to outserve one another and you cannot serve. And we heard this, I think we first heard this, at church at we go to one community church and i think that was a really foreign concept because i thought marriage was 50 50 i'm like well mm, i'm not serving him (laughs) like he he didn't do do, do, and or i'm what about me what about me what about me so that was i feel like overall our we had other issues but that was the i think that was the biggest revelation for us is you don't do unto your spouse based on how they treat you, because Mm -hmm. that's always, you're going to go for tit for tat when things are good. Yeah, that's great. But you know, again, we know this marriage is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so there's going to be times where we're like, I ain't got it today. You know, there's going to be times where you come home from work and you're like, I'm spent. I can't do this. Or there's times I'm going to come home from work or dealing with the kids, whatever the case is. I'm like, I I don't have it today. Or I have patients where their spouse had a stroke. Right. And literally like they have to 
be everything. Be everything. So I think that was the revelation for us is, like you said earlier, it's not 50-50. It's both people give it 100%, 100%, not 110%. I always say, sometimes I say 200. It yeah. just sounds better, doesn't yeah, it? It sounds like, no like I got more. Um, <laughs> but not giving, you know, or you giving 100%, I'm giving 100%. And then, again, when those days where you only got 30, that doesn't mean I match your 30. I still give 100%. Or I don't say, okay, you got 30, so I'm only going to give 70 no, I still have to give 100%. So that's the revelation is to say, hey, this isn't about, again, if we're being a reflection of God, if he was to treat us how we how we treat him, we would get 1% and, yeah. and, and that would be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that, because we don't even deserve that. Mm-hmm. So just realizing that helps you realize how you need to treat your spouse in, in that same uh, form of love and, and that same discipline to say, hey, regardless of how they're treating me or how my expectations of what they should be doing has been failed, I'm still going to give my 100%. Yeah, but how do you do that? Like, how do you work that out? So whether somebody, maybe somebody listening or watching, if you're watching, new believer, five seconds in the in the whole church and like, you know, or seasoned believer, but marriage is like, I seriously, you don't know my husband or you don't know my wife or you don't know my situation. So I... The different people that I've talked to, I feel like that. And even when I'm thinking of my own dialogue, my own narrative was, well, you don't know my husband. Mm -hmm. You don't know all that I have to do. So how do you, where does that identity and image in Christ, where does that anchor in to help the person? Like where, how do we encourage them um, to you to weaponize that? I think. Use that same sentence. You don't know my God. Um, regardless of how much you fail him, disappoint him, he still pursues you each and every day. There's nothing that you can do to get out of his love. Now there's times where, again, just like in a marriage, you have to protect yourself if there's physical harm or, you know, even if there's um, infidelity, you have to deal with that. So same thing. God will let you um, suffer the consequences of the decisions that you make, but he's never going to stop loving you. He's never going to stop pursuing you. Mm -hmm. So if you have a spouse or you have a significant other that, you just feel like it's they're, they're not worth it. All you have to do is just go back to the first love that was created on this earth. When mm-hmm. when Adam and Eve failed God, he could have easily just kicked them out the garden and say, you know what, delete, let's just retry this again. Let me try right. with two more people. Well, they but, get, did get kicked out. But well, I mean, they got kicked grace. out, but I'm just saying the grace and the love still let them be pursued, still let them create this this earth that we live in now, even though it's a fallen and broken world, we still have so many things to be thankful for here. And we still have that root back into Adam and Eve that mm-hmm. they feel God, but God still loved them. God still blessed them. You know, yes, he let them suffer the consequences of their decision with kicking them out the garden and, 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 and uh, pain during childbirth and men toiling uh, for labor. But he still blessed them. He still blessed their lineage. He still mm-hmm. blessed um, their family. He still blessed them um, with their work. Um, so again, the same the same love that pursues you, you have to say, okay, who am I to deny that from my spouse? Mm-hmm. Um, because again, if God was to take away his love from me, where would I be left? So I want to read, I read it um, last week, um, but... Actually, I'm going to first start with the new verse for this week. So this month is identity in the book of Ephesians. Um, So today's verse is Ephesians 4, and it says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And that's, uh, again, Ephesians chapter four and it's verses um, one through three. So that I even like how Paul starts with I, a prisoner in the Lord, because nobody's going around (laughs) talking about hashtag prisoner in the Lord. It's like me centered. What's God doing? Like you said, like what's God doing for me? When is my life? When, you know, comparison, we've been really dealing with this in our household, not even just for me. Like I'm, I'm going to be honest, vulnerable, like for me, myself, but then even having a teenager and talking about this, this thief called comparison, but I, therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord and that therefore peace is you, you got to go back to that, uh, the chapter before that we read last week, but it's, it's really a talk. So we get this empowerment in Christ to do some pretty amazing things that are impossible in ourselves. So if we are a prisoner and hooked, you know, if you almost think of just the, the, what are those called? Handcuffs. Handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say shackles. <laughs> no more shackles. Um, but thinking about being connected to a guard, you have to go wherever that guard goes. You know, if that guard is going to go pee, you go and pee with them. If that guard is going to go eat, you are connected. You are a prisoner. You are following. It is really this analogy of Mark 8, which is, I'll say it every week if I have to, it is my life verse, uh, Mark 8, 34 through 35, where Jesus says to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. So we are prisoners in the Lord. And listen, I'm not at all, I, we don't know your, your, your circumstance. We only know ours and our testimony of what God has allowed um, for us to see on this other side of a broken marriage, a very, very broken marriage and failed marriage for about 10 years, really. Um, but that's where, but God knows your circumstance. And I would really like to ask and encourage you to have you really brought that to God? Have you truly trusted God with that pain and that brokenness, you know, and not um, just try to deal with the pain in your marriage yourself? Or or maybe maybe you're not married. Maybe it's pain and just, when am I getting my husband? You know, where is he? I've had all these failed and broken relationships. Um, so I love this, this depiction of, of love, we get to walk in love, the agape love, the unconditional. I don't feel like it. He's not deserving or I'm not deserving. Um, they have failed me every last bit. But it goes back to, like Eddie said, this identity image bearer. We model. So we do what what Christ did for us. You know, he died and gave his whole life for us. So that really, I think, is... I don't really feel like we have this massive, big one plus this and, you know, you know, a square pie exponential. Like we don't even have that type of formula is literally like he submitted to Jesus. I submitted to Jesus first. He came along. Jesus changed his heart. And we individually were walking with the Lord. And through that, we meshed together. And that's where we are. Like. And it's it's simple in concept. I mean, it's, def- it's hard. Definitely it's- hard to walk through. And even now, I mean, there's days where again, it's just I, you don't have it. Or I don't have it. 
but it reminds us the simplicity of God's love for us and our, his pursuit of us. And our mission is to show the love of Christ to each other, mm-hmm. model that for our kids, model that for the world because they don't see that. Um, and, and then it really breaks down on what's truly important. And I think what you were saying earlier about Paul saying he was a, a prisoner when you think of prisoner, most prisoners aren't happy to be in the prison that they're in. Mm-hmm. I would probably say 99% of the people are like, I wish I wasn't here. There's probably 1% that's like, I, I need this. Uh, but he was a willing prisoner. He mm-hmm. was a, this, this wasn't something that he looked at as punishment. It was, hey, I know how connected at using that example that I am to the father. Mm-hmm. And I know what is expected of, of me. Um, we've seen examples of people that we know who wait for the punishment just so they can just see God work and move in their lives. Right. And so sometimes you just have to realize like God will allow you to go through some things to grow your faith, to grow your dependency on him. Because mm-hmm. again, if everything was going great between us and we weren't connected to God, there's only a matter of time before something gets disconnected with yeah. us. And yeah. now we're not running to God. But yeah. if we're always connected to God, even in our disconnection, we will still run to him when things are good, bad, or indifferent. And you became my idol. Yeah. And you, that's what I'm saying. You, you were, became yeah. my, well, we, we became each other's source. I'm looking to mm. you for affirmation. I'm looking yeah. to you for, um, you know, all the things you're looking to me for security. You're looking to me for identity, all those things we'll never be able to provide those. Even if we have the best marriage and the best relationship, Mm -hmm. we'll never be able to provide those because that's not what we were created for. Um, And so just going, yeah, going, going back to that, that rudimentary, rudimentary, elementary, I don't know. You got me all confused with these pies and and squares (laughs) and stuff like that. Uh, Going back to that elementary principle of just what we are created for and who were we created for. Mm-hmm. We were created to serve God. We were created to uh, be his image bearer and show the world who he is um, and inspire the world through that. Just like we've been inspired by people that we have modeled our marriage after, not idolizing them, right. but um, just seeing the growth that they've had because of their connection with God first before each other. So learning catechisms, um, working on them for my family, just these um, basic truths of doctrine and helping us with our walk as well as our, our kids walk in the world that we're in. And one of the first ones is, why are we here? And we exist, we, you know, our kids can su- recite. I feel like Gabe can even really recite it. We exist to serve, serve, and, serve and glorify God mm-hmm. and to experience his fullness. So I would love to insert in there a perfect marriage, a very fulfilling marriage, or I'm doing all the things in my womanhood that I thought, you know, but it is a lie. We talked about this last week, but the enemy seeks to do that, you know, truth lie game. You know, I'm going to exchange the truth for a lie. The lie that I bought into is my security is two things. It's it's leaving God because God don't really know what you're talking about. I'm not going to say that. That's basically what I'm doing. And then it is, I have to protect myself because I can't, I can't trust my husband. I can't trust anything, any other system. I am the, my own security source. And when we do that, we are truly like saying that we are on the throne of our lives and we've got it. And that is going to, tear down your marriage brick by brick by brick by brick because now you're not operating in in a hundred percent love and agape love and unconditional love now it's like you got 
you know, he's supposed to, he's supposed to be subservient to me and to my needs. And how dare he question me? And, you know, that word of submission was not talked about in my household. Like, okay. Like anyone talking about friendship circles. Mm. I mean, I kind of talk about it now. So you kind of get a rash. I'm just learning how to deal with this word submission and see the beauty in it, that it's actually beautiful and it is a protected place to be. So last point is as equal at the foot of Christ, which goes to this scripture verse um, in Galatians um, that I talked about last week. Um Galatians 3, and it's 27 uh, and 28. For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you all, since you are all one in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. So we are all equal. So I get that question where it's like, well, my husband rules this or he does, you know, this. And I I thought he's supposed to do the finances and I thought I'm supposed to do this and I'm less. And I'm, you know, it's like. There's strengths and weaknesses. I mean, I think we have different roles. Yeah, there's different roles and responsibilities. We're equal in, in the eyes of God. Now, that doesn't mean, hey, you don't have your strengths in healthcare. So when it comes to the kids getting hurt, that's not my ministry. I'm not going to run after, if I see, you know, Caleb bleeding, I'm not going to say, Hey, let me come look at this and let me figure out what we need to do. I know that is something that inherently you do for, for a career. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be your strength within our family. And with me working in finances all day, um, it's not like you're not abreast of what's going on with our finances, but you entrusted me to say, Hey, that's something that you can spearhead and you can over, um, you can look over and make sure that we're on the correct path. And so at the end of the day, we're still equal. I'm not even in my role of the leader of this household. It's not a dictatorship where I'm saying, Hey, this is what we're doing and you know, like it or leave it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, me as a leader saying, Hey, what is your opinion on this? Me, you know, giving you my opinion, coming up with an answer of what's going to be best for each other or best for the family. But again, it's not a dictatorship. So God created us equal, um, but he did give us strengths and weaknesses in different areas. I don't expect you to be up on a ladder changing light bulbs 20 foot in the air because that's something as a as a, as a male, as a husband, that God created me to do as far as the, the work in, in the household. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that recognizing that, you know, you have different areas that you're going to excel in more, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you're on, on an unequal uh, playing field. And I think what Eve did wrong, I mean, I'm really not trying to give shade on Eve, but I think what happens even for myself, and I think it's just, we don't find acceptance in our limitations. It's like my limitations are, I equate that as weakness and it's not weakness. It's, it's how like God gave a boundary and limits and that's okay. He did it even on the foundations of the world. So why wouldn't he do that in his creation? There's no other animals going, oh, go, you know, are having a whole argument about, about who's supposed to be the one, you know, the cow, what are the ones with the horns? The longhorns. The longhorns. Yeah. You live in Texas. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you don't. We're Michigan bred, but you don't see the the women, the girl ones. Let's just move to another. Note. Okay. <laughs> you don't see the girl ones going over to like, well, where are my horns? Where are my horns? You know, like, so knowing that you're loved and your role is different, but you're equal in salvation, mm-hmm. and going back to your image in Christ, you're loved, you're accepted, you are called to help your husband. 
and God has, has, has gifted you to help your husband. So if you're single, I want to encourage you that you're going to trust God to bring you the person that he has gifted you or is gifting you to help if he's calling you to do that. So it goes back to we default to our trust fully in God, our trust fully in his um, understanding and not our own. Any final thoughts, any final words, encouragement for anybody? Um, I mean, I think just, again, realizing who you are in God. Before you can realize who you are in a relationship, in a marriage, you have mm. to be confident in who you are in Christ first. Um, that will allow you to be able to treat your partner the way he or she should be treated. Um, and just being able to understand that they're not your source. Yeah. Um, I think in this world in general, we look to others to be our source or other things, whether it's people, whether it's things, whether it's, um, you know, places you want to go in there, there's so much, you know, in this world that we look to for our source, for our happiness, for our joy, but that can only be given through your relationship with God. And once you realize that, then when you're interacting with your spouse, it can be a lot easier to say, okay, how do I interact with this person um, and do it in love, do it in kindness, do mm. it in peace, do it in patience. You know, all the things that to we tell our God, yeah. because my first is to God. Yeah. Like I was just saying, yeah. you're not doing that for your spouse. Yeah. You're doing that yeah. because you're honoring God. who, who yeah. your, who your savior is and how he pursues you in that way every day. So once you realize that it makes it a little bit easier in theory and the practice is always yeah. still going to be hard, but in theory, um, to, to honor and love and, um, be there for your spouse. So I want to encourage, please reach out to me, connect with me on social media, Instagram, and that Facebook group, Courageous Radiance, as well as head over to the blog. There are monthly resources, encouragement. Um, you can reach the podcast directly as well as read the dictated uh, version of the podcast. I would love to connect and hear um, how this has helped and blessed you. Please share this with anybody that you um, believe this could be a blessing for. And have an amazing week. What an amazing discussion. I'm so thankful that my husband joined me on the podcast. I hope that it was a blessing to you. Listen, friend, subscribe, head over to the blog, CourageousRadiance.com, and there is going to be a link in which you can click that, and it's going to have some tools to help equip your marriage, five tools that will bless and equip you as a wife, and which therefore will also impact your marriage. Listen, the goal of this is not for you to demand your husband to do this, it is to invite him, but there is part for you to do whether he does it or not. And I pray that this exponentially feeds your marriage as well as continues to anchor you. Thanks so much again for joining and I'll see you here next week.